0: Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidus, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and she said to him, "'The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go gather your men at Mount Tabor.' taking 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots, with his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his hills, and Deborah went up with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: It was a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Cody, Wyoming. In Cody, Wyoming, I went to the Buffalo Build Museum, uh, the Buffalo Build Center of the West. It was a museum that I was really unprepared for. It was more amazing than anything I could have imagined. There were more artifacts from the West. There was a gun collection, second to none I've ever seen. It was really an amazing museum. Now, I'd known about Buffalo Bill. I'd read books about him as a boy. I knew that Buffalo Bill had been uh, someone who would ride for the Pony Express. He had fought in the Civil War. He became a scout for the Army. He'd become an Indian fighter. He was always this interesting-looking sort of fellow, a buffalo hunter. But I had no idea how he had grown as a human being, and his understanding of life and others, and how that would change by the time he was into his 40s, there in finally the 1870s and 80s. I'm going through the museum and I'm reading all kinds of interesting things that Buffalo Bill had to say. First of all, he realized the buffalo was becoming extinct. This buffalo hunter begins saying, we need to stop hunting the buffalo. He was a conservationist. And this is back in the 1870s. The way that he had treated his enemies, the American Indian. That he was looking at them so differently now with a sense of respect and appreciation. He was being asked about General George Custer and what happened. And I want to read you what what Buffalo Bill said. The defeat of Custer was not a massacre The Indians were being pursued by skilled fighters with orders to kill. For centuries they had been hounded from the Atlantic to the Pacific and back again. They had their wives and little ones to protect and they were fighting for their existence. To suddenly change and look at life from the perspective of the American Indian? Now as I'm reading on, I go over into another section and there Buffalo Bill is speaking out about women's rights. That he believed women should have the vote. Now this is in the 1870s. Women did not get the right to vote until 1920 when we finally passed the 19th Amendment and ratified it. Now you think about that. It wasn't until 1920 that we finally said women are smart enough to vote. I find it hard to wrap my mind around that. Buffalo Bill, 50 years earlier, was arguing for women to have the right to vote. And then I'm reading where he argued that women should have equal pay. If doing equal work, they should have equal pay and be paid like a man. We're still struggling with that one today, 150 years later. That's amazing what this man was advocating. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. In 1885, he created the Wild West Show. And in the Wild West Show, he had cowboys and he had Indians. They were all being paid the same. There were women actors and men. They all were paid the same. Except for the star of the show who was paid the most. And that was a woman. The person who made the most was Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley, the sharpshooter from Ohio, this amazing lady who was the star of the show, he paid her more than anyone else, and it was that platform, the Wild West Show, that enabled Annie Oakley to become the first woman American international superstar. She was viewed by more than 70 million people here in America and in Europe. It was incredible. This morning, as we start our fifth year of the series of St. Luke's on Broadway, I want us to look at the show, Annie, Get Your Gun. It is the story of Annie Oakley. Each year, what we've been doing since back um, five years ago When we talked about how, when St. Luke's began, we started at Third and Broadway, and we proclaimed the values of our faith. And we got to thinking, you know, we have great examples of musicals that talk about our faith, musicals that lift up the issues that we deal with in the world today, and why don't we use those as a platform to look at our scripture, our values, and talk about the values that we proclaim? And so that's what we've been doing now for five years. And I think this year we have a great lineup, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun as we work through this together. Today, Annie Oakley and Annie Get Your Gun. When I started doing research on Annie Oakley, I couldn't help but think about our scripture lesson and the story of Deborah. Deborah is an amazing story that you find in the book of Judges, fourth and fifth chapter. Let's go back and kind of set the scene so we remember. It was Moses who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years. They got all the way to the edge of the promised land and Moses dies. It is then Joshua who leads the people of Israel through the Jordan River into the promised land. They begin to have skirmishes and fight with people as they settle into the land. Finally, Joshua dies. And the people have now settled and what happens for the next one to two hundred years is there are groups that rise up and will start to fight against the people of Israel like the Canaanites and they will harass them and there is no central government so God will raise up a judge, an individual that God raises up who then calls Israel together to confront the problem and then the land is at peace and the judge kind of goes away. When we read the book of Judges, we read 12 Judges, 6 major, 6 minor. These Judges helped to lead Israel all the way to the time of Saul, when he becomes the first king of Israel, and then David, and then Solomon, and now we're into the monarchy. So for a period, though, it's just the Judges. And of these 12 Judges, there is only one woman, whoever becomes a judge for the history of Israel. Her name is Deborah. We read about her in the fourth chapter. We don't get a lot of background. It just simply says Deborah was sitting under a palm tree. And people would bring their issues and she would decide them and settle their problems. Much like the wisdom of a King Solomon. That's what Deborah would do. But she was a prophetess. And God came to her and said, You need to raise an army to go fight against the Canaanites. Because they have their chariots of iron and they are making life miserable for the people of Israel. King Jabin, his general, Sisera. And so it is she calls on her general, Barak, and says, Barak, I need you to raise an army and let's go fight the Canaanites. And Barak says, if you'll go with me, I'll go. Then Deborah says, fine, I'll go with you. But you need to understand, you're going to win, but the glory is going to go to a woman. Now, knowing this is a patriarchal society back in those days, I wouldn't have been surprised for Barak to go, Time, I'm not going to go fight these Canaanites and not even get any glory. He didn't say that. He said, Okay, let's go do the thing we need to do. And so it is, he forms together the army. They go out against Sisera. Sisera had his chariots, but the people of Israel overwhelmed the army. They rout them and they begin to flee. Sisera gets out of his chariot and runs and he finds a tent owned by a Kenite. The Kenites were not Israelites and they were not at war with the Canaanites. And he's thinking he can find safety. And so he comes And Jael, a Kenite woman, says, Why don't you come into my tent and rest? And so he comes in. And he asks for some water, but she gives him warm milk, like a drink to a child to go to sleep. She says, take a rest. He drinks the warm milk and he lays down and says, if anyone comes to the door of the tent, let me know. And he goes to sleep and she goes and gets a tent peg and a mallet and comes back and drives it through his temple and nails him to the ground. And along comes Barak looking for, for Sisera, And Jael says, come into my tent. And he comes into the tent. And sure enough, he says, there is the dead general. And the people of Israel won. And there was now peace in the land for the next 40 years. I look at Deborah, this leader of Israel, and I can't help but wonder, how hard was it for her in a man's world to become a prophetess? How hard was it for her to be able to lead and to say to a male general, I need you to go fight. Did she ever have to struggle and maybe sing a song? Anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Did she struggle with expectations in society? Am I good enough? Do I have to prove myself? Do I have to be better than the men in order to be a judge in Israel? The idea of Annie Get Your Gun was created by um, Dorothy Field. It's fascinating. Dorothy Field, it was in the early 1940s, that she came up with the idea of, why don't we take Annie Oakley's life and make it into a musical? Annie Oakley was very well known. She had died in 1926, about 15 years before. The show, The Wild West Show, had played in front of more than 70 million people across the United States and Europe. She truly was one of the most famous people in the world for her shooting and marksmanship ability. And so when she had passed away, Now it was Dorothy Kern who said we need to do something about maybe making her life into a musical. I really do believe that song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, is really about the struggle of what does it mean to maybe be a woman in a man's world? To prove yourself. Am I good enough? Do I deserve respect? Do I have the opportunity to be the person God called me to be? Well, in the end, Dorothy wrote the story. She wrote it along with her brother, Herb. They looked for someone to maybe produce it. They found a new group who was really hitting their stride. Their name was Rogers and Hammerstein. They had just come off a very successful production of Oklahoma. And so they talked them into taking on the show to produce it. And then they looked for someone to write the music and the words. And they asked Irving Berlin. Irving Berlin wasn't sure he wanted to do the show or could do the show. And so he said, you're going to have to give me a couple days. Let me see if I can write anything, if anything comes to mind. He went away for three days. And he came back with doing what comes naturally. You can't get a man with a gun. And there's no business like show business in three days. They said, we think you got it. They looked to Ethel Merman to play the part of, uh, of Annie. The show would open On May the 16th, 1946 on Broadway, it was a huge smash hit. It would run for three years, 1,142 shows. It would then travel to West End in London, again a huge success. So much so in 1950, it was made into a movie, again a great commercial success. It was then 50 years later, 1999, that it was revived on Broadway, and it would win a Tony Award for Best Revival on Broadway. The message of Annie Get Your Gun really is a timeless message for us all. I think it's interesting that it was Dorothy Fields who came up with the idea. But it's easy to understand. You see, she was born in New Jersey. Her father was involved in theater theater was a very successful producer. She had two brothers. They got involved in theater, and they were very successful. She wanted to become an actress. She wanted to be involved in the theater. And her father said, no, it's not for girls. You can't do that. But she wanted to write songs. She wanted to write stories. She wanted to act. Her father did everything in his power to make sure she didn't get that opportunity and that she would not be successful. So she became a teacher by day, a teacher by day, and then at night she would work at writing songs and work at writing stories and submitting them under another name. And they started getting accepted and becoming popular. She started writing more and more, and Dorothy Field became the most successful woman songwriter of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. She would write more than 400 Broadway tunes and tunes for movies. In 1936, she and Jerome Kearns wrote The Way You Look Tonight, they would win an Academy Award, an Oscar for Best New Original Song. You know, she became incredibly famous. She had great success. Even though she had been told, you can't do that because you're a girl. You don't have the ability. It's not right. So she came up with the idea of looking at Annie Oakley's life and sat down and wrote the story, Annie Get Your Gun." Have you ever been told you can't do that because fill in the blank. You're not good enough or you're a girl or a person of color. Whatever it might be. Have you ever been told you can't do that? There's two things that I want to say about that this morning. First of all, It was Paul in writing to the Galatians who would say, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are one in Christ. Paul laid out a basic theological statement for us in the Christian church that said, We believe everybody is a person of worth, they are sacred, loved by God, And what does it mean to let everybody be treated as if they are special, to treat them that way, and for us to be treated that way? It is a standard that he set that we are still struggling to live up to 2,000 years later. In this world, there is so much prejudice. We've come a long way, but there's still prejudice. If you don't believe it, ask a person of color someone who is black or red or brown, what have they experienced in life? Ask women who have gone out into the workplace. What have they experienced? How have they been treated? How have they been paid? You don't believe there's prejudice? Well, there is. Somehow we still live with this thing that we're better than others or we feel not as good and it's feeling threatened and then threatening us. It is a human condition that causes great harm. And it was Paul who tried to say, there isn't Jew nor Greek nor male nor female, slave nor free. We are one in Christ. And yet people get treated different all the time because of the color of their skin or their nationality or their religion or sexual orientation or whatever it might be. You know, when I, when I look at the story of Deborah and Barak, it's a story where I would expect in that male society for there to be great prejudice against Deborah. How did she get to be a prophetess and head of the country? I don't know. But I would certainly have expected when she said, Barak, I want you to go fight the, uh, the Canaanites, that Barak could have said, well, who are you, a woman, telling me what to do? That didn't happen at all. didn't happen at all. It's kind of interesting, they even name her husband, Lipidoth. Now, it's interesting they would name her husband to say, she is married, you don't seem to hear anything else about him, he doesn't seem to be fighting against it, seems to be, I guess, supportive of his wife being a prophetess, head of the country. Now, What I love about this story of Deborah, the one woman who is a judge in Israel, is you have a story where, Everybody seems to accept each other, whether it's Deborah the prophetess or Barack the general, or whether it's J.L. the foreign woman who winds up getting the glory for killing the general. There doesn't seem to be this competition. Anything you can do, I can do better. I'm better than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no. You don't get that in this story. When you go see the musical or you watch the movie of Annie Get Your Gun, it really is an interesting show. It's interesting in the fact that it is based on the true life of of Annie Oakley and of Buffalo Bill and of Frank Butler and Sitting Bull and Pawnee Bill of Oklahoma. And what you see with Annie Oakley is Annie Oakley was born there in Dark County in Ohio, It wasn't actually very far from where Reverend Wendy Lambert was raised. And she said, you know, as a kid growing up in the elementary schools, we all had to learn about Annie Oakley. It was a big deal. She was very famous. She grew up incredibly poor. Poor enough, she had to go live in an orphanage. She finally was able to run away from home at about 12 years old. She came back home, and there she found her father's rifle. Her father had died when she was very small. And now her mother was about to lose her home. She came home and found this rifle and discovered she was an incredible shot. She loved guns. Loved guns. And she became an incredible shot. So much so that everybody around through there knew about it. And so in the musical, what you see is Frank Butler comes to town and he is going to put on a shooting exhibition. Shooting exhibitions were very popular in the 1870s and 80s and 90s. Frank is a true character with a great ability to shoot, put on a show. He came to Cincinnati, Ohio, was putting on the show, and yet the people there knew about Annie. And they went to Frank and said, how would you like to have a bet and let's see who's the best shot? We got someone put up against you. He said, sure, whoever. He had no idea it was going to be a 15-year-old girl who stood five foot tall, 100 pounds, What an insult when they brought her out. It was like, this is a joke. Are you kidding me? And so they started shooting at targets, and the targets would go up. And she shot, and he shot, and they were hitting one after the other, 24 in a row. And then Frank missed on the 25th. And Annie Oakley hit on the 25th. She won the shooting contest. She beat Frank Butler. Now, he was obviously very incensed and very upset. How could a 15-year-old girl beat me? Buffalo Bill was there, and he's seeing the opportunity. There's some money to be made here. We need to get her in the show. And so they start trying to tell Annie, why don't you go with us on the road? I mean, this is so much fun. There's no business like show business. There's no business I know. That's where the song comes from. And they convince Annie to go on the road. And so she goes on the road, and Frank is so condescending towards Annie. He lets her have a little bit here in the show and a little bit there in the show. She's getting more time, and the people are loving seeing her until finally one night Buffalo Bill says, Go show them what you got, girl. And she goes out and she puts on a show. And she's great. She becomes the star billing. The posters are big of her. Frank is no longer the star. He can't handle that. He feels incredibly jealous. The problem is Annie has fallen in love with Frank, and Frank thinks he's in love with Annie, but he is so insecure and feels so jealous that he leaves the show and goes to work for Pawnee Bill. A competing show. Annie and Buffalo Bill head off on the Wild West show to Europe, and they go to Europe, and there is huge and great success. really is true. And then when she finally comes back home after a couple of years, well, there is. there is Frank, and they remember how much they love each other, and now they start professing their love for one another, and Then Frank discovers she's won all this money and she has all these medals and now he feels threatened all over again. She's the one who's making all the money. She's the one who's got the medals and now they get into singing that song, anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can't. No, you can't. Insecurity. Jealousy. You're better than me. You're doing better than me so they start to fight, and they finally said, let's have one more shooting contest. We'll decide who is the best once and for all. Someone changes guns on Annie. They want her to miss. And they go out, and she takes one shot, and she misses. She goes over to get another gun, and there is Sitting Bull. Now, it is true, in 1884, Sitting Bull comes to know Annie Oakley. And he symbolically adopts her, and he names her Little Sure Shot. And so in the show... In this musical, she comes over to get the gun, and it's Sitting Bull who says, You love Frank, Annie. If you lose, you win. Now, trust me, Sitting Bull would never have said that to Annie. <laughs> but that's in the musical. If you lose, you'll win. The light goes off for Annie. You can't get a man with a gun. So she goes back, she shoots and misses a couple times and says, Oh, Frank, I'm just not a great shot. You're the best shot in the world. It's just, you're just so wonderful. And Frank goes, Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Why don't we get married, Annie? Okay, wow. And they live happily ever after, and that's the end of the show. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, Are you kidding me? Is our male ego that fragile? I see a lot of heads shaking, yes. (laughs) Is our ego that fragile that we can't let a girl win? That she's better than us? That she wins fair and square? There was a message that was being made in the 1940s and 1950, and it really was saying you got to be careful for a man's ego, they're insecure. So if you're a girl, you better not win. You better lose. It's how you get a man, not with a gun. I even heard that told to girls that I knew when I was growing up. What a crazy thing to not let people be the person they're called to be. And yet I I saw a study just recently that was talking about the fact in today's world, so many women have gone out and have made it into the world, and they're doing well in their careers, and now... In 25% of households, women make more than men. And in a household where the woman makes more than the man, boy, they don't usually talk about it with each other and they sure don't let other people know about it. And what they found on tax returns was that men tended to inflate their income, pay more taxes, and women tried to decrease their income to try to narrow that gap. Really? Are we that insecure? What does that do to our relationships when it really is being based on anything you can do, I can do better? No, you can't. Yes, I can. The thing I love about Barack and Deborah and J. L. is at this moment in history, in a patriarchal society, in a man's world, you don't get any of that. God speaks to Deborah. Barak listens to what she has to say. You're not going to get the glory. They go to war and they bring peace to the land. And there isn't the jealousy among one another. And so second, secondly, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he will say, Can the head say to the foot, I have no need of you? Can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? Paul would say we are one body and what we really need is a head and a foot and an eye and a hand. We need everyone who is different and it's not that one is better than another or can do more than... We are all needed if we are going to be the body of Christ. What does it mean for us to say that it takes all of us, people of different color and different backgrounds... Male and female, it takes us all to be the body of Christ if we are going to share God's love and bring hope to the world. In the fifth chapter of Judges, we have the song by Deborah. We believe it may be some of the oldest literature in the entire Bible. It was written by Deborah. And it's all about this victory and it's praising Deborah and it praises Barack and Jael. And I can't help but believe that it was Barack and Deborah who sing the song and whenever they're praising Deborah, it's Barack who's got to sing the part and praise Deborah and Deborah's got to sing the part that praises Barack. But the whole song is wrapped with the beginning and the end that says, and it is God who has used us all to bring peace to the land. That It needs us all. Rather than being in competition and insecure and trying to prove that anything you can do, I can do better. Maybe I do something that's a little different and I can do it this well and you can do it that well and we do it together to be the body of Christ. Now it's interesting that the musical, Annie Get Your Gun, is very different from history. Oh, they're all historical characters, But the story is a little different in reality. The reality is Annie Oakley did grow up right there in Ohio and was very poor and was sent to an orphanage. And the people were so mean, she never called their name. She always referred to them as the Wolves. She ran away when they were 12, she was 12 years old. She did get her father's gun. She discovered she was an incredible shot. She went out and she would shoot game and sell it to the local butcher in town. They were about to lose the farm, but Annie was so prolific in her hunting, she earned enough money to pay off the mortgage on the house and save the house between the ages of 12 and 15 She was that good and produced that much. There was a shooting contest on Thanksgiving Day, 1875. She did beat Frank Butler, 24 to 25. But there's where the story changes because Frank Butler wasn't jealous. He was smitten. He thought Annie Oakley was the greatest thing he had ever seen. And rather than feeling threatened, he started to court her. And because he didn't smoke, drink, or gamble, and Annie's mother was a Quaker, she said, He's okay. One year later, in 1876, when she was 16, they got married. There wasn't a jealousy going on. He thought she was incredible. And so they got married in 1876, and for the next six years, Frank was putting on his shooting exhibitions. And then in 1882, his partner got sick one night. They had the show, had to go on. And so Annie went out, and she held the balloons, and she held the cards, and she did all of those things while Frank showed his shooting skills. And then she got to shoot a little bit, and the crowd went wild to see this girl shooting in this incredible way. And the team of Butler and Oakley was then formed. And they began putting on shooting exhibitions. And Annie started shooting more and more. And it was in 1884 that Sitting Bull did see Annie perform. He was so taken by her. He wrote her a letter and sent money asking for her autograph. Annie Oakley sent the money back and sent an autograph because she so respected him they became great friends and he did symbolically adopt her and named her Little Sure Shot. In 1885, Buffalo Bill started his Wild West show and it began to tour across the United States to 70 million people and to Europe. And he invited Sitting Bull to be a part of that as well and paid him and Annie Oakley was started making more and more and more. And as she began to rise in her fame, Frank began to pull back more and more, becoming her manager. He was the one who went out and held the balloons and the cards, smoking the cigarette while she would shoot off the end of it. He took her role as she took his. And as she began to excel, he wasn't jealous or threatened. They were a team. They traveled through Europe, and in Europe, she went to Queen Victoria's fiftieth jubilee. She was the hit of all the acts that would come. She would be wined and dined by the King of Italy, um, by the, uh, the Russian—I uh, mean, by the German Prussian Czar. Uh, she would go to France, throughout Europe. All of the people were so taken with Annie Oakley. She became incredibly famous and wealthy. The two of them came back home to the United States. They were very generous with orphanages and poor children. She never forgot where she came from. In World War I, she gave so generously to the Red Cross. She gave to all kinds of women's rights groups. She wanted to teach women how to shoot guns. She fought for the right to vote. She tried to tell women, you can do anything you want to do. Be who you feel you are called to be. She was untiring. It was on November the 3rd, 1926, she died, 66 years old. She and Frank had been married for 50 years. He lost his best friend. 18 days later, Frank was dead too. They hadn't had a relationship of anything you can do. I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can It hadn't been one of jealousy and arguing. It had been a team. Be the one that God called you to be. Paul said, how can the head say to the foot, I have no need of you? We need each other. And there is no Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. We are one in Christ. As a family with all of us, we have everything we need in order to confront the challenges of our world and to share God's love and bring hope. Now Frank Butler was very proud of Annie Oakley. It was Annie Oakley who said, I just wanted to show that women are as capable as men when given the opportunity to prove themselves. Everybody. Everybody needs the opportunity to prove themselves. To be who they are. Frank was happy for Annie to prove what an incredible shot she was. They were a team. He wasn't threatened. They had a relationship of love and joy. That's why Frank was able to say, Annie, get your gun. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.